I am so glad that you guys are here, especially as we kick off a brand new Christmas series that we're calling Stuck at Christmas. And uh, my name is Kenny. I'm the campus pastor. And it really means a lot to us that you would be with us, not only for today, but hopefully come back in the next couple of weeks as we go through this series because we love Christmas. We love the season of Christmas. And I'm just telling you, I love Christmas. Um, I love everything about Christmas. There, uh, there's one actually show that perhaps, I don't care what generation you are, you have probably seen this show played at Christmas many times. Anybody like Charlie Brown Christmas? Anybody in the room? telling you, it's an old school program, but I absolutely love that show. And then there's one that has been made and remade different times, but it seems like this is the version they're sticking with. And it's kind of a scary animal when you think about it. Rudolph, this version is just scary to me. I don't know. It's not, it put me in the Christmas spirit. It makes me want to go shoot one. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. I'm just being honest, just being honest. Now, if you're not the cartoon kind of person, uh, maybe you love the 24-hour reruns of Ralphie on TBS. There you go. That'll take some of you back right there. That scene of being stuck is just like, mm, I can't watch it, but I got to watch it. It's like a car wreck, you know? Uh, and then everybody loves, I think everybody loves finding the world's greatest cup of coffee. Anybody in the room? Elf. That's exactly right. Love that show. We love it as a family. Now, if you're not into movies, you're not into that scene, you've got to be into food at Christmas. Where are my food people at in the room? That's me. Um, anybody love the peppermint chocolate milkshake at Chick-fil-A? This is when it comes out, people. If you've not had one, get ready to live. But you got to do it tomorrow because they're closed today. So, I mean, we love food, love the Christmas food, love the Christmas. But also, I think we all love Christmas music. Now, I will say this. There are two types of people in the room. So, we're going to find out who you are. How many of you believe that Christmas music should start in your car, in restaurants, uh, at your house, the day after Thanksgiving? Anybody? Where are these people out? Okay. That means the rest of you, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. That means the rest of you believe that Christmas music should start, you know, when Crackle Barrel starts decorating for Christmas, which is like July the 15th. I mean, that's when you start playing Christmas music. We all love Christmas music. Now, odds are you love this next Christmas tune. It was actually written in 1944, but it was made popular by Dean Martin in 1945. Listen to this. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Yeah. Or as we say in Texas, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. But it works. We love the song. Now this one, I don't know why, but it is in the top 20 every single Christmas season. And to be honest, it's kind of scary that we as people believe it to be true. But listen to this. Grandma got run over by a reindeer Coming home from our house Christmas Eve you may not say believe in such a Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Oh, uh, it's just scary. It's a scary song. It's a scary song. 
Now, this next song, I know you have heard many times before, and it really is an integral part of all of our Christmas seasons in America. Listen to this. because the gentleman who wrote it in 1818 was actually a priest, Joseph Moore. And little did he know that he would sit down and write the words to Silent Night in Austria, that it would play such an important role in our celebration of this season that we call Christmas. And let me explain because it's more than just a silent night when you look at the Christmas story. It's more like silent nights, 400 silent nights to be exact. See, the Bible that you have at your house or maybe with you today is divided into two sections. There's the Old Testament, which actually talks about the time before Jesus came, what God was doing in Israel, how he made everything. The New Testament is the birth of Christ and the birth really of a new relationship with God through Christ. It's what we would call the Christmas story. However, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament in your Bible, there's a blank page. There's nothing written on it. Maybe perhaps the introduction to the New Testament, but that's all there is. And it's more than just a blank page in your Bible because we could easily just bypass from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but you can't miss the blank page. The blank page are 400 years of silent nights. You see, Malachi was the last prophet of God in the Old Testament. And he would write in pen only four chapters. It's a small book. But then when you get to the end of Malachi to find out who God is, God goes silent. It's like, what was he doing? Why no more words? Why no more prophets? Why the disruption in the story that you had been writing for years and years and years and years? Why so many silent nights? Not one, but many. Now this is a great question because perhaps you found yourself in a season of silent nights. And that's what I wanna talk with you about. As a matter of fact, if you have said, if you can say yes, to one of these four questions, today is for you. Have you ever said yes or are you saying yes to this question? This question, our very first one. Has God ever seemed silent to you? It's like he's talking to other people, but he's not talking to you. Why is that? If he's ever felt silent to you, today is for you. Second question, if you can say yes. Has it ever seemed like it took God 400 years to answer your prayers? It's like he answers everybody else's prayers. But you've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And he's not answering any of your prayers. Or how about this question? 
Have you ever felt like God answers other people's prayers, but is silent to yours? I've been there. I know what that feels like. And the last question, if you can say yes to this, has God's silence ever caused you to wonder if he even exists? You've asked, you've prayed, you've talked to other people, you've had other people pray for you about your situation that you're in, but it's like God is not coming through for you. So there is a tendency to start believing, maybe, just maybe, there's really not a God. And if there is, maybe, just maybe, he doesn't even care about me. Well, today, here's what I wanna do. I wanna answer two questions before we leave. The band's gonna come back and play a song, and then we're gonna be done. Here are the two questions I wanna answer before we walk out of this room today. What is God doing in the silence? What is he doing? If anything, what is he doing in the silence? And the second question is this. If you're living in this moment right now, what do we do in the silence? So if you're in a season of life where you feel stuck in the silence, what is your role to play? That's what I want to answer before we leave. Now, here's the bottom line, just in case I bore you and you fall asleep because you have the most comfortable seats of any church in America. Here's the bottom line that I want us to walk away with and to get embedded in our hearts today. And that's this, never confuse God's silence with God's absence. Never confuse God's silence with God's absence. When God seems so silent in our lives, we can confuse that with believing that he's actually absent from us and not paying attention at all to us. You know, when you look back at people in scripture who believed that, they got confused. God is silent, so he must be absent. Inevitably, every single one of them would take matters into their own hands. They would make decisions without waiting on God. They would make decisions and go in directions that would later prove to be the wrong decision at the wrong time because they jumped in front of God's activity. And they would live with regret, guilt, shame, wishing they could go back. But you can also read scripture to men and women that in God's silence, they refused to believe that he was absent. And they would lean into this God they did not understand. They would press into this God who seemed so silent, not answering any of their prayers, and they would wait. And in the process, they would discover a God at a level they never understood who loved them and that they could love him in a way they never had before. So if you're in a season of silence, don't take matters into your own hands. And here's my encouragement to you. Here's my encouragement. The Christmas story today is not just a sweet little Christmas story. There's actually a story behind the story that gives us the story. And there's always a story behind the story. You know, when we read the Christmas story, we start in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Here's how it starts for us. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, can we say it together? God with us. That's Christmas. This is how the Christmas story begins. But the Christmas story actually begins 400 years earlier before God went silent. You see, I told you the last book of the Bible in the Old Testament uh, is Malachi. Malachi, a prophet of God. And he sets up right before God goes silent. He says this verse, and it's so powerful. He says this truth from God. And here's what it says in Malachi chapter one, verse two. I have always loved you, says the Lord. Can we say this verse together? Because it's so good. I want us to remember it. I have always loved you, says the Lord. Now, what's interesting about that verse is this. Is there no tense? 
Literally, God is saying, I have always loved you. I do always love you. And I will always love you. Even when I seem silent in your life, I just want to say it one last time, loud and proud. I have always loved you. I do always love you. And I don't care what's going to happen. I will always love you. I will love you. I will love you. And I'm just telling you, that's good news for some of you today because God seems so distant from you. And it's like he's not listening to you and not answering your prayer. I think God would just want you to know, if nothing else today, he has always loved you. He does love you. And he will always love you. And then Malachi puts the pen down. The curtain drops and God goes silent after those last words. Now, we could easily stop and to say, well, see, God was actually doing nothing. But here's what I've discovered. And here's what the Christmas story tells us. When God goes silent, he's not absent. He is very much working. You just can't see him working. You see, right after Malachi wrote this, the world was in a political shift that was taking place. You had the Babylonians and the Persians kind of going at it. And then a leader rose up. You've probably never heard of his name before. Philip of Macedon from Greece rises up and you've never heard of him, but you know who his son is because you read about his son in school. Anybody know for extra credit? Extra donuts on your way out. Glazed donuts on your way out. Nope. Okay. It's okay. Alexander the Great. I knew you would know it. Alexander the Great. You've heard of Alexander. Remember reading about Alexander? Some of you are like, no, I don't. I failed. Okay. It's okay. I'm going to tell you just enough so that you can know. Alexander the Great was a leader that the world had never seen before. He is still arguably, by some scholars, he is the best leader that has ever led any kind of empire, any kind of army. He just went on a conquering quest to conquer the entire world, and he did with Greece. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And what's so fascinating is this. He did it all before he died at the age of 33. Fascinating leader. He had conquered the entire known world, and before his death, he actually said these words, I'm depressed because there's no other nations to conquer. (laughs) Don't we all have that problem before, you know, at age 33? You go, what's that got to do with the Christmas story? He made a decision, and it's the reason, some would argue, some would argue, it's the reason you're sitting in this room today. See, he made a decision before he died. He said, I decree and I declare this. I want everyone that is within my conquering nation to speak a common language. He said, this is what, this is what we're making. I'm declaring it. I want every single person to speak a common language. You can have your own language. That's fine. You can speak your own accent. That's fine. You're from South Alabama. You just talk Alabama. You can keep it. But here's the deal. We're all going to come up with one language that every single person knows so that no matter where you go in the known world, everyone will speak, everyone will speak the same language. Listen, this is just a little clue as to what God was doing when he appeared to be silent. See, after Alexander the Great, a few years later, that was in 360 BC, a few years later, another empire would come to the stage, the Roman Empire. Now, 
There's so much that happened with the Roman Empire to set up the birth of Christ. I could do a whole message on that, but I will tell you too quickly that the Roman Empire did that again, again, many, many, many would argue you are sitting in this room because of this one thing called the Pax Romana. Anybody remember studying that? It was a declaration by the Roman Empire that there should be peace for travel, that you can travel within the known world and there's security and peace for you to do so in between governments, in between the cities that you are traveling. And they actually declared that to be true for all travelers for safety and security. Now, to do that, they had to do something else. And that the Roman Empire actually did something no other nation had ever done. The Roman Empire actually built a, expanded the road system and the traveling system throughout the known world. This had never been done before, ever. So what were just three things? There are many more. What are just three things that happened in the blank page of your Bible between Malachi, I have loved you, I do love you, I will always love you, and God goes completely silent? These three things happened. Number one, a common language was developed. That common language, by the way, by Alexander the Great, actually gives proof that God, as Scripture says, that God raises leaders and puts into place the kings he desires, and he will leverage them to accomplish God's purpose. And Alexander never knew. The second thing that happened during 400 years of silence is the Roman peace that took place. The third thing that happened was a major transportation system was developed by the Romans. You go, I'm hearing you, but I ain't getting it. The New Testament about the birth of Christ was not written in Aramaic. It was not written in Hebrew. Your New Testament was written under the same language that Alexander the Great during 400 years of silence declared. It was written in Greek. That's the language Alexander the Great, Great said, I want every single person to be able to read and speak Greek. This will be our common language. So as Jesus comes onto the scene, is born, lives, dies, comes back to life, guess what the gospel message is written in? Greek. How is it going to make itself around the world? Thank you, Romans, for giving us peace that we can travel to share the good news of Jesus. Oh, and thank you also, Romans, that you have a roadway system that you have expanded so that the good news of Jesus Christ can travel around the known world. None of that would have been possible without 400 years of God being silent. But he was never absent. See, behind the scenes of your life where you think God is being silent, the Christmas story and the story behind the Christmas story is actually evidence that God, it may, might seem absent, but he's actually working in ways you cannot see at all whatsoever. Now, you've experienced this, though. If you've ever gone to a play, there are always two acts. There's not just one act the whole way. There's two acts. And after the first act, you do what everybody else does. You get out of your seat, you go to the lobby, and you get jelly beans and Diet Coke. That's what everybody does, right? <laughs> and here's what's happening. You get your jelly beans and Diet Coke, you come back in for act two, and the stage looks exactly the same as when you walked out of the room. The lights are up, and the curtain is still down. 
But when act two begins, what happens? The lights go down, the curtains come up, and you are in another world. What happened? Well, when you were enjoying your jelly beans, the entire backstage was rearranging, organizing, moving, bringing in new, taking out old. They were setting the whole stage up while you were just living your life. And you come back and you're like, oh, act two is even better than act one. This is the Christmas story with silence and seemingly God's inactivity. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. One of the eyewitnesses of the day would actually record this in Galatians chapter four, verse four and five. Here's what he said. When the set time had fully come. In other words, when God had prepared, when God had set up, when God had worked behind the scenes, act two begins. Why is that so important? What's act two all about? Here's what act two is all about. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. See, this is amazing. If you feel stuck, I'm just kind of add this in there. If you feel stuck in your own sin, if you feel stuck in life is not delivering what you want it to deliver, if you feel stuck and you can't get ahead, even in your inner world, God said, this is why I sent my son, to rescue you. To rescue you from who? To rescue you from you. We'll start there. Because you need a savior. And God set the whole stage up when the world thought he was absent. So, what is God doing when he seems silent? He is not absent. He is rearranging the whole set. And when the proper time comes for you, the curtain goes up, the lights come on, and you see him in a way you've never seen him before. And you look back and go, I didn't know. I didn't know you were doing all of that when I doubted you. When I thought you're not listening to me, God is like, I might seem absent and I might feel silent, but I am always, always present. And I'm always, always working. So what do we do in the silence? Here's what we do in the silence. When you hear God's silence and feel his absence, you trust his presence. When you feel God's silence and you feel his absence, you trust his presence is what you do. A couple of weeks ago, I went to Starbucks with a friend and we were sitting down and I know a lot of this guy's story. And it's one of those stories to where like I look at this guy and I look at his family and I go, God, how much more can this family take? I know, I know we all go through hard times, but it, you know, I, I don't, it's his story, so I don't want to share his story. But how much more can this family take? It's like, he's like a modern-day Job, if you know that story, you know, in the Bible. I mean, it's like, this is just the craziest story. And he loves you. He serves you. He is serving you presently. And yet you seem so silent. And you seem so absent in his life. And I remember sitting at Starbucks, and I looked across the table from him, and I, I just asked these questions. Why do you keep trusting him? That was my question. Why do you keep trusting him? I will never forget his three answers to me. As a matter of fact, I wrote them down right when he got finished. I went, 
this might seem rude, but I got to write that down real fast. The very first thing he said was this, before God created the entire world, he knew what we would need. See, he's in the oil and gas business. He said until, you know, cars came along, until machinery came along, the world didn't need oil. But God knew we would. So he would just at the foundation of the world, go ahead and put into the ground what we would need thousands of years later. He said, if God is that sovereign, if on something so minute as that, something so small as that, if God knew what we would need before he created the world and put it into place when we would need it, he knows what I need when I need it. And I'll trust him. I thought, man, that's so good. And I'm not, I'm not even in the oil and gas, but I just like putting gas in my car, but that's crazy good. <laughs> crazy good. The second thing he said to me, and I wrote it in my phone, he has never failed me before. His record in my life is flawless. If you looked at this guy's life, you would think God doesn't even know his name, what he has lost, what his family is going through. And this guy is sitting across the table from me going, his record's flawless in my life. I'll trust him. Third thing he said to me, I know his word. I know his word. I know what he's promised me. I know what he's promised me. And even if I'm not experiencing the promises right now, I know what he's promised me. I know what he's promised me. And he said this, that if I stop reading his word, he will go silent. This is where I hear from him. This is how I know him. And this is why I trust him in my life. In this long season of God seemingly being silent and absent. That is why I will trust him. See, so here's the question for all of us today. What do we do in the moments of silence? Here's the question. Then what would you do if you were confident God is with you? You figure that out and just do that. What's the next thing, the next right thing that you would do if you knew, if you were confident, if you truly believed, God is right here with me. He might seem silent, but he is not absent. He might seem like he's not doing anything, but I'm believing he's doing everything behind the curtain. And at the proper time, the curtain will come up and I will see just how good he's been in my life. And I will witness for myself, my personal eyes, my faith will just put into visible 4DK, right, whatever you want to choose, right in front of me going, God, you were doing that the whole time? Gosh, you're so good. That's what you would do. That's what we do. You do the next right thing, believing that God is right there with you. After all, it's Christmas. And when we're stuck, we should be reminded when he seems silent, we should be reminded. When he seems absent, we should be reminded of what Christmas is all about. For he shall be called Emmanuel. God is with us. Let's pray together. If you're in the room and you are stuck in a season of silence, he is Emmanuel, 
God is with you. He has loved you. He does love you. And he will always love you. And the Christmas story reveals to us that there is a story behind the story. It didn't just happen overnight. It happened over a season of silent nights. And it did not mean that God was absent, but that he was very present. And that's my encouragement to you today. He has loved you. He does love you and will always love you. For he is Emmanuel, God with you. God, thank you so much for today. I'm so grateful, God, that we can celebrate a season that is fun. It is exciting. God, and it is filled with lights and laughter. But God, in our lives, our marriages, our families, our businesses, our professional life, our financial world, God, so many times, those lights just go out. And in that darkness, it just feels like, it feels to be true that you don't care. It feels to be true that you don't see. And it feels to be true that you're absent. God, thank you for a message today, a time where we can know for certainty. History proves it. History proves it. That you, time and time again, you are never absent. You are very present. And you are working all things out, as scripture says, for our good and for your glory. Thank you that we can kick off a season being reminded that your name is Emmanuel, God with us. In your name I pray, amen.